Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. We are look, we're all family here tonight. We're going to be as relaxed as uh, we can get. Um, so I'm going to ask everyone once more, if we can ask everyone to please stand. And if we can turn to the left and just massage the shoulders of the person in front of you. Yes. Massage of love. Chops, 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 chops. Return the love. Face the other way. Return the love. Return the love. Chops, chops. Now everyone facing the front, face me, please. Now when I say one, two, everyone goes one, two. One, two. When I say three, four, it's three left, four right. Three, four. One, two. Three, four. When I say five, six, it's five back, six forward. Five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, 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 five, three, three, seven. Ah, sit down. Very nice. Now we're going to do a little something here. I want to do three simple signals, and I need you to call them out as we go along. So when I point to my right, I need everyone to say, all right. Nice. When I point to my left, I need everyone to go, woohoo. Now when I go like this, I need everyone to say, dumb man. Not the man, but dumb man. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to help me tell a story. So every time I do the signals, I need you to call them out as we go along. Once upon a time, there was, he saw this beautiful young lady, he thought. Then the young lady saw her. She was so happy, she yelled out in a loud voice. And then walked up to the girl and found out she was, all right. Um, uh, just, just, uh, want to share a little bit uh, about myself, so uh, I know a lot of people, especially our Palangi family here, or non Samoan uh, Pacific family here, probably thinking, hey, is that uh, Inga the Winger, or uh, is that David Tu up there? Uh, uh, so my full name is Tofinga Sefo Fepuleai, and uh, I was born in Wellington uh, at a hospital called St. Helens Hospital, which is no longer there. Uh, and um, my parents both come from uh, Samoa. Uh, my mum comes from uh, the beautiful island of Savai. She's from uh, the villages of Papsatawa, Falearupo, Sangonge, and Fasko'uka. So there's my mum's villages. My dad comes from the villages of Fusi, Safakulafai, and Saleaula in Savai. And mum and dad, the first time they ever met was in Wellington. 
beautiful capital of New Zealand. And uh, they were working in a place called Todd Ford. So they used to make cars there in the, around Seaview Run in, in Lower Hutt. And, uh, you know, so obviously mum was spray painting the doors and dad was putting the doors onto the car. And that's where they first started talking, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, what's your name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. So that's where mum and dad met. They, they attended the, the First Pacific Island uh, Church in Wellington. It's still there now on the corner of Daniel Street and Constable Street. Uh, it's called the Pacific Island Presbyterian Church. And so it's still there now. And that's where mum and dad got married. And uh, I got baptized there. But my, my parents were quite onto it. Uh, before they got married, they bought a house for like $9,000. Yeah, you can't even buy a car for that much. Uh, so um, mum and dad bought a house, a uh, three-bedroom house, and then they got married. And uh, because those old houses, you know, not, the insulation wasn't too good, so nine months later I was born. Uh, and, and, and in our house, it was just a three-bedroom house. We had a nice little family. And uh, what, what people don't realize is that I'm an only child. Uh, it's not a common thing in, in island families, especially Samoan families. You know, we, we like to hit the double digits. And, uh, and, and, and mum, mum comes from a massive family. She comes from a big family. There's about 11 of them. And then, you know, there's the half-brothers and sisters as well, which totals to about 78. Um, but, we, you know, we, we, we're family, we, you know, and... Uh, and I used to joke with my mum uh, about, about, about my granddad because he, um, he was quite a popular man. And, uh, and I used to joke with my mum and said, hey, you know, granddad, he was like a farmer. And my mum said, what do you mean? And said, oh, you know, he goes to different villages and plant seeds. Uh, <laughs> so mum comes from a massive family, you know, and dad's got a, a pretty big family as well. So, you know, being an only child, I was, I was raised uh, old school Samoan style. Uh, and what I mean by that was, uh, you know, everything, every first for me was Samoan, the language, my first language, Samoan. The only people I knew growing up uh, were Samoan. Church was in Samoan. You know, we started to go to the, uh, the Wellington Efakasa uh, Church, which is the Samoan Congregational Christian Church, which we're still at today. And so, you know, growing up, you know, everything was Samoan in there. And, and what happened was uh, we'd, we'd, like, go from home to church. And sometimes, you know, I'd see these Bailangi kids on, on the road while we're driving past. And I'd be like this on the window on the car, like, wow. You know? So I couldn't wait to start school, you know? Because I was like, man, you know, I want to I meet a Bailangi. I want to, you know, play with a Bailangi, you know? And, and see, you know, what it feels like they're here and, and stuff like that. So here was the, that's the way I, I, I grew up, um, and, and and as I was growing up, you know, uh, my mum and dad they worked hard. They worked hard, uh, sometimes two jobs each, you know, trying to look after our family. And as they were working hard, they also saved a lot of money. So one time, my mum thought, "Oh wow, you know, she's got all this money. Why not bless one of her uh, siblings in Samoa and bring them over to to stay with us and start their family." So my uncle came and lived with us. And my dad was like, uh, okay, okay. It's like that, is it? Yeah. What about my family? What about my family? So my dad saved up a bit of money, and he got his brother over. And then my mum thought, oh, okay. He got another one over. And they just kept coming, you know, back and forth, and back and fifth, and back and sixth. 
And sometimes there was like 15 of us in this three-bedroom house. Sometimes it got so packed, we had to sleep like standing up. <laughs> and I remember growing up as the only child, you know, it wasn't easy. You know, there were times when I remember we'd have dinner. And uh, I'll be like, oh, can you pass me the tomato sauce? You know, and then I have to get up and, and reach heaven and grab it and pass it to myself. And then, you know, there were times when I was trying to go to sleep and I'll be tossed and turning and, and I couldn't sleep because I re you know, just realized that I didn't, didn't turn the light off. So I'll be like, oh, can, can you turn the light off, please? And I'll be like, oh, okay. So I'll get out of bed and I'll switch it off. And as I walk back to my bed, I'll be like, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And my mom would walk past my room. She'd be like, hey, shh, who are you talking to? And I was like, ah, oh, no one, because I'm an only child. So, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy uh, at first. But uh, I remember when I went to school, when I went to primary school, and uh, my first day at school, oh, I was so happy, you know. I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to meet my first Balagi. <laughs> so I went to school, and all the kids, and, you know, got, so you've got to imagine, from 0 to 5, all I knew was Samoan. All the, um, the, the songs, the culture, the language, everything was Samoan. Our food was, was Chinese. Um, <laughs> so by the time I went to primary school, I didn't know too much English. So I went to primary school and all the kids in my class, hey man, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name, man? You know, and because I was quite fresh, I was like, yeah, 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 God bless, God bless. <laughs> but you know, the more regularly I went to school two days a week, You know, the more I, you know, I started to pick up on the English language, my English started getting better, started making friends with Indians, Maoris, you know, other ethnic groups, and I was like, wow, man, this is cool. But I'll be, I'd have my favorites, you know, depending on what they bought for lunch. And <laughs> so, you know, I was, oh, I was getting older and, you know, making friends and, and slowly finding out that, wow, you know, people actually do things different from the way that I was brought up, you know. The, I, I thought the Samoan way was the only way. But the more I made friends with other people, I thought, oh, wow, you do. Wow, you, you, you eat lettuce and stuff. <laughs> so, you know, as I got older, I was about 11 years old. And I, I remember I asked my mom this question. And uh, it always been in the back of my mind. And I thought, okay, I gotta, when I asked my mom, I've got to build up the courage to ask her this question. Because I didn't want my mom to be offended or you know, feel like that, you know, I was going to leave home or anything like that. So I was 11 years old, and, and I knew I had to make sure I had the right words, I had to phrase it properly, speak in the right tone, not have eye contact. Um, so I walked home, got into the house. Mum was in the kitchen, and I asked my mum this, this one question that I always wanted to ask them, mom, my mum and dad. And I said to my mum, I said, Mum, and in English, I said to my mum, Mum, why did you choose just to have one child? Why did you and dad choose just to have one when you guys come from big families? My mum looked at me and said, Finger, finger, finger. Sit down, sit down, sit down. And when I sat down, I looked at my mum and I thought, wow. You know, this, this moment, I, I, I felt at that time, I thought, this, we're going to have this amazing bond. She's going to say something that's going to inspire me 
to do something great like climb Mount Everest, you know, on the internet. And I thought, okay, I sat down, I thought, I'm going to ask my mum once more. I said, mum, why did you and dad choose just to have one child? My mum said, finger, finger. And when I looked closer, she had a tear come down from her eye. I mean, where else does it come from? <laughs> so I said, Mum, why did you choose just that one? She said again, Finger, Finger, Derison, Derison, why I choose just to have a one children. It's because look at you. How can I have a more children when you eat more than eight children? And when my mom said that, it cut me deep. Cut me so deep, I ran away from home. Okay, I walked. I walked, I walked away from home. I walked. Okay, I was thinking about walking away from home. But when I looked outside, I thought, wow, that's too far. So I went back home because it was almost lunchtime. So I grew up, you know, with the whole extended family and stuff like that and... Uh, and I remember one of my uncles that lived with us, his dream was that he wanted to own his own car, his, you know, buy a brand new car. So he come all the way from Papsako and Savait. And when you, like, when you go to this village, my mum's village, it's, um, it's like, it takes five days to get there. So you get to the wharf and then you go drive for like months. So my uncle came and he arrived. He came here to Christchurch. And uh, his dream was to own his own car. So what happened was he worked for eight months, saved up enough money to buy a car. Now, when he bought this car, what he didn't realize was it wasn't registered, it wasn't licensed. But to him, it was a brand new car. He thought, wow, I've got his own car. Never even driven a car before. But he bought this car, so he thought he would just go for a test drive. And while he was driving down, this policeman saw my uncle. And the policeman thought, looks very suspicious. It's only got three wheels. <laughs> so Mark was driving down the road and the policeman chased Mark. <laughs> Pulls over my uncle, walks up to my uncle's, you know, the, my uncle's window, knocks on the window and said, excuse me, sir, can you please step outside of your vehicle? And my uncle was thinking in Samoan, trying to translate in English. So he looks at the police, he's not sure what to say. The policeman knocks on the window again, says, I'm going to ask you one more time. Can you please step outside the vehicle or I will arrest you? So my uncle looks at the policeman and he's like, ah, Mr. Ballas, Mr. Ballas, just my new guy. So what happened was the policeman took my uncle out of the car, took him about 10 meters away from the car. And then the policeman drew this massive circle with chalk. And he said to my uncle, I want you to stand inside that circle. You take one step outside and I will arrest you. So my uncle standing in the circle, the policeman goes to the car, start, starts slashing the tires, smashing the bonnet, smashing the other bonnet. Looks over at my uncle, my uncle's in a circle laughing his head off. Gee! Ha! Mr. Ballas, you really break it up, my girl. There's one over there. 
The policeman was wondering what my uncle was laughing at. So what he did was he got more frustrated. He ripped out the interior, all the wiring, the engine, everything. Looks over at my uncle. My uncle laughed even louder. Uh, Mr. Bollis, you're really breaking up my car. This one over there, brand new to me. This time, the policeman had enough. So what happened was he lit the car on fire. And the car was like hot. <laughs> Five seconds later, the car blows up. Boom! Looks over at my uncle. My uncle laughing even louder. Ah, uh, Mr. Bollis, you just blowed up my car. It's just all like, poof. This time the policeman wanted to ask my uncle face to face what he was laughing at after he'd blown up his car. Walks up to my uncle, he says to my uncle, what in the world are you laughing at? I've just blown up your car. My uncle says to the policeman, oh, no, um, <laughs> I was a uh, step out of circle when you're not looking. Ha, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Now, the moral to the story <laughs> is don't be afraid to step out of the circle. No, but, no, honestly. Um, <clears throat> we still got some more of our family. Well, it might be my family coming in like that. It is, it's great to, to be here in, in Christchurch and, uh, and to be here with our uh, Equipus family. Um, there's not many opportunities that... Uh, I do get to come on stage and actually just share about my love for God and also what God has done in my life. Uh, that's why I really, um, you know, always really humbled uh, to, to be asked to come to, to speak and share my life story uh, and also how important my faith is uh, to me, not just as an entertainer, but also to me as a husband, uh, as a father of our three sons, and also uh, as a son and, and uncle uh, to my family. A uh, couple of years back, I was in a really dark place. Uh, probably need another uh, a service to tell you more in depth, uh, you know, how it, what happened and all that type of thing. But I was in a really uh, dark place in where I felt that, you know, it was pretty much rock bottom for me. And I remember when I was going through this, it was uh, almost uh, two years from October. This year. It would be two years from October. So it was around White Sunday time. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with White Sunday, it's when uh, a lot of our traditional Samoan churches, it's like uh, Children's Day. And it's where, you know, all the kids would wear white and they would do all the, their plays, you know, and uh, recite their scriptures, uh, drama or dance. Um, so... You know, White Sunday for me is uh, really important for me personally because that was my drama school. Um, I didn't go to any formal training on that. Uh, it all started from from Lokamaki, so from White Sunday. And in White Sunday, you know, when you go audition and stuff for drama or, or chance to act in that, you know, you're encouraged like, oh, give it your best, you know, you know, go for it. And you, you're going to be great. You know, I really believe in you, you know. But with uh, Loko Mickey with White Sunday, there's not really much encouragement. It's just, do, you, you better do it or I'm going to, you know. So no ice cream for you. So obviously I got a lot of ice cream. So I did the best that I could um, growing up in White Sunday. But 
But yeah, so back to the story. About two years ago, um, I was in a dark place and uh, just some stuff was going down with, with me and, uh, and it was during White Sunday. And I remember going to church and uh, just felt out of place, wasn't uh, connecting with people, people were trying to talk to me and I don't know, they, I'm sure they sensed that uh, something was wrong because I'm always, you know, the one that's always trying to crack a joke or, you know, trying to say something funny and always talking to people at church. So I remember going to practice, took my kids, and I remember they were learning the song called uh, Better. It Will Get Better. And it was from uh, Hezekiah Walker or something, just in case I got the name wrong. But uh, Hezekiah, I think it's Hezekiah uh, Walker. Um, I hope I got the name right. But the name, the name of the song was Better. So the words go, Better, Better, It Will Get Better. I didn't think too much of the song. It was a really nice song. I remember taking my kids. This was Friday night, Saturday, and then it's White Sunday. So Friday night we went home and stuff, you know, because that week was the week that all the stuff came out in the papers and and all that. And uh, it was tough for me, you know. And, and my worry, I wasn't worried about myself. I was worried about my family, uh, you know, with the family name and, and, and all that type of stuff and worried that maybe... People will say things to my kids. Uh, worried about my wife as well, my, my parents most, mostly. Um, so Friday night, they had White Sunday practice. Saturday, you know, we, we went home. Wasn't connecting with my kids. I went to sleep straight away. Uh, Saturday morning, it was around about 8 o'clock. My wife, you know, got up, prayed for me that morning. Didn't really listen. And she, you know, she was trying to get me out of bed. She knew that I was going to, I didn't want to leave the house. So I just, for me, if I had my way, I'd just stay home, wouldn't go anywhere. So my, you know, my wife was trying to get me out of bed and I was like, oh yeah, just give me a couple of hours. Um, maybe if you can get me some breakfast as well. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, my wife was trying to get me out of bed, trying to encourage me and uh, praying for me. And I just felt like crap. And I uh, just felt like, nah, that's, uh. Don't want to do anything. Couldn't move. So what happened was my kids, it was about 8.30 in the morning, out of nowhere, they started singing the song. Better, better, it will get better. And uh, when I heard my kids sing the song, you know, for me it was like God was speaking through my children. And as they were singing the song, they sounded better than they did at practice. You know, and... So they were singing, better, better, it will get better. And when I heard that, you know, it really, it really touched my heart. For me, it was God speaking to me, saying that, you know, just ride the storm. The storm's going to be over. But just remember the words, better, better. It will get better. So I got out of bed. Uh, I was wearing my um, G-string. And um, sorry, sorry about the image. So uh, here I was, I got out of bed. Went over to my kids, and I hugged my kids, hugged my kids tight. I said to my kids, I love you. You know, I, I almost um, suffocated them. But, you know, I said to them, I, I love you, and, you know, you know what? Let's go, let's go and uh, get out of the house and uh, get some breakfast. So, you know, pretty much from there, things started happening. You know, start, I turned on my phone because I had my phone off that whole week because everything came in the paper and, 
and, uh, and, and all that stuff. And uh, so uh, I checked my phone, had all these texts, had emails, had messages on social media, people wanting to help. Strangers, people I never even met before. You know, so for me it was like, you know, already what my kids were singing was happening. You know, things were getting better. You know, and all I had to do was believe. You know, so here we were, we went out Saturday, then Saturday night, we had family come over because they heard about what happened. Same thing, they wanted to help out. And they also wanted us to explain, you know, everything because they, they misinterpreted a lot of stuff. So from there to Sunday, went to church on Sunday, you know, for White Sunday, loved it, you know. And, and when they started singing that song, the whole uh, Sunday school started singing the song, now I broke down, you know, started crying. And it was all part of my acting skills, you know, just pretty. So, you know, it, re it really hit me. And, and one of the things that, that really got me and one of the stories that, that I love about in the Bible during that time is uh, you'll find it in, in Mark uh, chapter 2, verses, one, uh, verses one, 1 to 12. It's, it's, it's the story about where Jesus healed the paralyzed man. And the thing that I loved about that story, it wasn't only about the fact that Jesus healed the paralyzed man, but what stood out for me were the four people that took the paralyzed man to Jesus. You know, and it made me, you know, realize that, you know, in, in life you need four people like that. You know, because uh, sometimes we get caught up in, oh, we have to have a thousand likes, hundred followers and all this sort of stuff, social media stuff. But when crap hits the fan, those people aren't going to be there for you. You know, and it's not the quantity of people, it's the quality of people that you surround yourself with. You know, so for me, keep, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep him. We'll take an offering. Can we take an offering as well? Yeah. And the thing I loved about it was that it really emphasized me, those four people, because it says that Jesus saw their faith. And then, you know, that led him to leading the paralyzed man. And, and, and for me, it made me realize that you know, all of us need the type of people that believe and it will take you where you need to go even when you can't see it yourself. And when we talk about the paralyzed man, it was like me, you know, whether you be paralyzed through relationship or paralyzed financially, you know, whatever it is that's causing you to be paralyzed spiritually, you need those four people to be able to take you to where you need to go to be healed. You know, and, and I understand that Jesus will forgive you. You know, and, and the, the, you know, and, and be able to understand that, you know, because I think about those four guys when they got to the house, and I don't, I can't remember how you say it in English, but in Samoan, it's Kapanaomi, with the village where Jesus was at, where he was preaching in the house, packed as in the house, even outside, people were standing there trying to look in to try and listen to Jesus. These four guys turned up. And I'm sure if all of us, we've got friends that would have turned up, packed, and thought, oh, probably we'll come back tomorrow. You know, Jesus, I'm sure he'll be here tomorrow. Just send him a text or an email. I know our messenger. But these four guys didn't give up. You know, what they did was they thought, oh, okay, well, it's packed in there. Let's go up to the top. They got up to the roof. They peeled back the clay roof, made a hole, and put, you know, dropped the, didn't drop him. Didn't drop him. Well, he wouldn't have found it anyway. But anyway, so they lowered him. They lowered him down to Jesus. And I thought, man, that's what we need is we need people that will take us. And they know where we need to go, and they will look for a way 
to get in so that we can be healed. You know? So for me, you know, that story is what really, I, I love that story. And I love how God spoke to me through that story. And, you know, made me realize that, man, you know, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but trust me, I don't read my Bible every day. You know, I'm, I fail every now and then, but God knows my heart, you know, and God knows that I try and do the best that I can, not just for myself, but also for my family, you know, my church family and people that God puts before me. You know, opportunities like this to be able to share about my faith, you know, when you come to a show, you know you're going to get comedy, you're going to get laughter and things like that. And, and then you'll leave thinking, wow, oh, just wasted my money. <laughs> but when I get an opportunity like this, you know, it's where I can just be to finger. You know, not, not the entertainer, not the comedian, but I can just be myself and share with you, you know, the, God's goodness. This, uh, so, yeah, the, two years ago that happened. And, uh, well, might, might as well share. You know, we're all family anyway. And it saves you having to go on Google and, and, and check out and say, oh, what happened? Did he cheat on his wife? Or, you know, because <laughs> we're all family, you know. So what happened was I got caught up in uh, bankruptcy. I, I filed for bankruptcy two years ago. And why, you know, because here I am, I'm doing shows and stuff, but I, I, I don't know how to do the whole money and tax stuff. So I, I had a, a taxman, and, and he wasn't a really good taxman. And uh, so long story short, I was paying the money back. And then out of nowhere, IRD just came back and said, you have to pay the lump sum. I couldn't pay the lump sum. And then someone you know, advised me, might as well go bankruptcy, just won't have that cloud over my head. So I did it. But me not really understanding, I thought when you declare bankruptcy, it was like, oh, wow, this is the worst thing you can do in life. So I was worried about my parents' name. That's what I was worried about. I was worried about oh, my wife. I was worried my kids might go to school. And someone say, hey, man, uh, you know your dad's uh, bankruptcy and blah, blah, blah. But then as I went through the process, I started to understand more what it was all And doing the, uh, uh, filing for bankruptcy was probably the best thing I could have done at the time for my family. And it was funny. When I went to court, it was the first time I ever been to court. So when I went, I was doing like all these selfies and stuff. I was like, whoa, come Joyce. And then the policeman came up and said, oh, sorry, you're not allowed to take photos in here. And I said, but it's my first time. <laughs> so funny enough, I took one with a policeman. We took a photo. And then as I was sitting there, I didn't realize I was actually the only person that came physically to uh, you know, present myself to the judge. Everyone else had their lawyers. So all these lawyers sitting in front of me, and the judge was reading out, oh, blah, 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 oh, 3.5 million, whatever, your companies, other people were individuals. And, uh, you know, lawyer was just saying, oh, blah, 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 this and that. The judge was like, oh, sweet. And I was like, man, I didn't even have to turn up. But I sat there and I thought, nah, you know what, I'll take ownership of, you know, what it is that I did wrong. Judge said, uh, Mr. F um, And I was like, oh, come on, mate. <laughs> so it was my turn. I stood up and I said, yes, sir. And he said, oh, you know, can uh, we have here, this is what uh, you owe. Can you pay it today? And I said, no, I can't, sir. And then he said, well, you know, I want to thank you for coming in because not many people do. So I thought, wow. That was really embarrassing uh, coming to. 
what an idiot. I should have asked someone, do I have to come in? Or? But when I went home, you know, I was, I was feeling better. I was thinking, well, I've done that. I've ticked that off the list. At least I've turned up and, uh, you know, taken ownership of, uh, uh, of all that. So um, I went home, said to my wife, well, let's see what happens. So it was from there, later on, reporters, heaps of reporters kept ringing up. They're saying, oh, hey, can you do a story? We'd love for you to do a story and so that people can can hear your story. I'm like, ah, oh, nah, be all right if, uh, you know, just keep it as private as I can. Then they just released some random thing in the paper, as media do. Um, it was funny, out of all those people, they had to handpick my story, uh, my, my case. But, you know, I think, they, you know, they thought I was like, you know, Dwayne Johnson or something. Um, so, you know, it, it was tough. It was tough at first. And, and, and going through and then just got darker and darker. But like I said, and I love sharing that story of my kids singing better and, uh, and, and then really helping me uh, through that little spin. It's been two years now. Uh, my wife and I are running our own little company now and I'm doing, um, you know, my own solo shows. And it's amazing how, well now I've got someone really good looking after the money so I don't have to worry about that stuff. Um, but it's amazing uh, just how God works, you know, how God will just put someone in front of you. And, uh, and it really, you know, the more we are connected to God, the more we understand what God's trying to do in our lives. So, uh, you know, I give all glory to God um, for what's happened the last couple of years. The, you know, financially, our family's probably been in better position than we've ever been in a long time. Um, and the business opportunities that have come our way, uh, it's just a matter of us making sure that we only say yes to what we believe God wants us to do. So, um, yeah, now we give, we give God all glory, and uh, just want to thank, you know, I thought the band would be here and I'll sing a song. But yeah, it's been great. I mean, having opportunities like this to be able to share my story is also part of the, you know, not, not the healing process, but also part of me growing as well uh, as a Christian and as a husband and, uh, and just sharing about God's goodness in, in our lives. So um, there was one, one song I wanted to share. Uh, I remember when I was growing up in, uh, in, in Sunday school before I finish off with, with another story. Uh, and it was a song called Only Jesus. And uh, it was my AOG family that taught us this song as we sang it, uh, our Assembly of God family. And the, if you listen to the words, it's, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's something really personal and, uh, and, and it's a perfect song for me. And the song goes like this. It's <coughs> so <coughs> good. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. This world may try to satisfy the longing, sorry, deep in your voice. You may search this wide world over, but you'll be 
like as before you never find true satisfaction until you find the Lord for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Awesome. Just want to uh, share uh, one more story um, before uh, we ask um, Pastor Tita to come back up. Um, the story is uh, when my uncle was going to uh, look for a present for his wife. It was Mother's Day. And uh, my uncle was happy-go-lucky. His English isn't too good, but he always gives it a go. So he walks into the shop. Shopkeeper comes out and says, excuse me, sir, how can I help you? <laughs> my uncle says, oh, yeah, uh, look, I'm just uh, looking for the brushing for my wife. Yeah, it's just, uh, <coughs> uh, yeah, it's just uh, her uh, mother stays just around the corner. Uh, can you help me, Blaise? Blaise, can you help me? Shopkeeper says, I think I have just a thing for your wife. So the shopkeeper went to the left side of the store and there was uh, rings and, and jewelry and all this bling. Shopkeeper says, how about one of these? Michael said, oh yeah, I think my wife's going to be look beautiful in one of those. How much is that one cost? That's $5,000. Oh, what? Oh, that's too stiff. Too stiff for me, mate. Have you got anything a little bit more jibber? A little bit more Jibba. Shopkeeper says, oh, how about one of these? He looked at them, watches and all this type of stuff. How much is that, that one cost? That's $2,000. Oh, what? What do you think I am, made of a wallet or something? <laughs> the shopkeeper says, look, I really want to help you out. What are your wife's hobbies? What are her interests? My uncle said, oh, yeah, now my wife... Yeah, she's in the church choir, she's in the mother's group, she's in the pink on Friday night. I think I have just a thing for your wife. So what happened was the shopkeeper went to the back of the store into this other room. When they went to that room, they had like three shelves. One, two, three, four. And on one of those shelves, there was a skull. There was a skull. And my uncle said, oh, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, what is that thing over there? That is Moses' skull. Oh, you mean the Moses from the Old Testament? That's the exact Moses. Oh, how much does that one cost? That's $500. Then my uncle said, oh, um, have you got one of him when he was a baby? Just, uh, To all our family who are here tonight, uh, thank you for coming tonight. Uh, to, you know, as I said before, it's always humbling to be able to share my love for God and to be able to share what He's done in my life. Thank you for coming out tonight. 
Thank you once again to Pastor T and, uh, and the Equipus Church uh, and Equipus family down here in Christchurch. God bless you all. God bless your families. Hopefully uh, there was something in my story and my journey that will encourage you, challenge you, and also uh, help you uh, in your journey with life and also your journey with God as well. So, Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.